0: A show about business, crime,
1: parapolitics, and esoterica with your host Jimmy Fallon Gong. So, from the Easter Uprising on, Irish republicanism would be a major force in Irish politics. But as you pointed out, interestingly, not the only force. You know, there were a lot of other. You know, as any country, there's a whole range of. You know politics, right? Mm-hmm. But in December 1918, they held an election, which was won by the Sinn Féin party, which means, Sinn Féin means we ourselves, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So they convened the first Dahl and declared independence. Now, I gotta ask you, Trash, Sinn Féin, we ourselves, do you think this is comparable to Chuche ideology? Ooh.
2: <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, uh, it obviously has not uh, developed <laughs> in the same manner uh, as Juju has, um, you know. But like, it is. I mean, you, especially like in the film, you listen to the sentiments uh, that like were being expressed, uh, especially by like the character Dan, of like, you know, everything on this island. For this island, like, everybody, like, for, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, like, necessarily, like, it's it's not an internationalist perspective. And actually, if you look up, like, uh, Sinn Féin on, like, Wikipedia, like, the, w- w- one of the labels for their names is, like, uh, national leftists, you know, mm. which is, like, an interesting, like, uh, concept. Like, I, I mean, I, you know. I don't know it's yeah it, it's very incongruent uh with like a lot of <laughs> uh of, of how we think about like western europe and stuff which like ireland certainly would be considered a part of western europe
1: um at least geographically are you saying national socialism
2: <laughs> uh i'm saying a yeah, or you know <laughs> socialism in one country uh, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. there we go yeah
1: <laughs> no it's funny i I should have phrased the question wrong i was mostly being (laughs) stupid but i mean no no i mean yeah
2: yeah, yeah. well see this is my own brain just like being like "Ah, i don't know let's actually
1: yeah yeah well because the original like idea of Juche is like self-reliance and shin fein very much like we ourselves so like the the nugget of the original idea of like no one's gonna fucking save us. We gotta save ourselves from the Japanese or the British, like yeah. that part. Very comparable.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: As for everything else, you know, not as distant as you know we might think, but like you said, like not really the same.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, and you know, I don't know. Not, not to go too far ahead, but like you know, the the IRA themselves getting some very uh, weird, bashy territory like in the 30s. Um mm-hmm. with some of their, you know, like well, I mean, just Dave Alaire is a topic of his own, but
1: you know. Yeah. What's with that name anyway? It doesn't even sound Irish.
2: I know. That's the weird yeah. I can't uh I, I haven't done enough reading on it. But yeah, I mean it does not sound Irish at all. But I mean it very well could be. I mean well I I'm an American, you know.
1: Yeah. But like we got a crypto Italian sneaking in or something? <laughs> Just fucking. It, I it, 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 nope. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Sinn Fein withdrew from Westminster, withdrew from the British Parliament. They demanded an all-Ireland republic, and uh, I think they did that in 1916. So when they, you know, won elections in 1918, it was like already a foregone conclusion, right? So, from that point on, Irish Republican Brotherhood volunteers to these different causes would generally thenceforth be known as the Irish Republican Army. Or, ding, 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 the IRA. Hey,
2: that's what it stands for. Ah, there we go. Irresponsible Republican assholes. Um, I don't know.
1: Or, uh, whenever you're, you're like, uh, should I get a Roth IRA? It's like, okay. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
0: laughs>
1: so, Michael Collins, who is called the father of modern urban guerrilla warfare, he was the mastermind of an underground intelligence network which defeated the British Secret Service. I'm telling you, Trash, I gotta get... I think Coogan wrote a book on Michael Collins. I gotta get it. Like, I want to know all about this. Yeah. So... 'Cause it's basically like a lot of the Irish conflicts are basically like low intensity counterinsurgency and espionage. It's so mm-hmm. interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean the actual body count of the war of independence is like pretty low. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I mean, like even like the body count of like the troubles is it's it's just like you know, like like I was talking about earlier, it's like the the social context of it happening of like neighbors versus neighbors They're like people living like right next to each other where it's, it's very psychologically
1: huge but yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah no
1: exactly because in the irish war of independence i'm i'm looking it up now it's like 2300 dead that is like yeah one battle in other wars
2: yeah exactly and like i mean like the the, the you know, and like that may not be like that high of a number when you factor in other like uh insurrectionary wars of like former colonial holdings and stuff, but then like you factor in like the potato famine and then mm-hmm. all the kids who died because they couldn't see a fucking doctor and stuff and like all this shit, like it, it it all adds up and um you know, yeah, the actual numbers of the conflict are just see so like extreme points of, like, actual conflict and violence or whatever.
1: Exactly. And it was, you know, by and large, the uh, the IRA, which forced the British to the negotiating table. Mm-hmm. To quote Coogan, Ireland became used to the techniques of ambush, justification of civilian casualties, elimination of spies, demoralization of police forces, propaganda, and consequential retaliation, the formation of special forces, the Black and Tans, ex-servicemen so-called because of their black and khaki uniforms, and the auxiliary police cadets. These last were so christened in order to give the impression that this was a police war aimed at putting down a handful of unrepresentative criminals. Trenchcoat thugs. Yeah, you see it throughout the film and, you know, that they, <laughs> there's always this, like, refusal to admit that this is, like, a war of independence. Like, oh, these are just bandits and criminals.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and, and that will continue into the post-World War II era, like, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but, um, you know, like, the film Hunger about Bobby Sands, which actually, I have a distant cousin who also died uh, in the, during that hunger strike. Um, like, they were hunger striking in order to be considered like political prisoners, which yeah. they very much so were. Um, but, you know, the British just had to consider them like criminal, and, and that's the way they painted it. And, you know, which just goes back to um, this, a, a lot of the birth of this counterinsurgency tactics and PSYOP tactics is like born in Ireland in a sense. Like, you know, these, these, aren't political prisoners. These are criminals, you know, um, you yeah. know, this sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Cause like if we talk about the, uh, the PSY war, like the, the, uh, the war on terror is almost a changing of tactics where they're sort of almost like acknowledging that this doesn't work and so they sort of like invent this new category of like terrorist which is sort of like a quantum state between criminal and proper insurgent or you know proper army or something you know what i'm saying Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. which I, i think even like the uh definition of like um the film battle of algiers like Changes like from the age that I was when I saw it at twenty, which is just like an insur- an insurgency war, like you know, blah blah blah, blah, blah to like terrorists, like you know, all sudden is included in like the description of the film, like, hmm.
1: you know, it's uh, yeah, interesting. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so coogan says the Oxy's were ex-officers who, like the IRA, were brave men. <laughs> That's where I was like, wait, what the fuck. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> elected the, uh, the Oxies elected their own officers and made their own rules repression, murder, retaliatory destruction of property, torture, unacknowledged shoot to kill policies, the use of the judicial system as part of the counterinsurgency methodology, propaganda. In guerrilla warfare, as in other spheres of human activity, there is little new either under the sun or the Irish rain. Unquote. which i mean yeah he sort of captures like yeah he makes some allowances for calling them brave men but like he's like yeah they were like death squads basically
2: yeah i mean i don't know that's that that's getting i feel like more so into the legacy of the war of independence and like the the troubles and and just like the toll that it took on the Irish people because like by that point um, Ireland you know was experiencing like the comforts of like being like a modern industrialized nation you know by the time we get to like post-World War II and stuff and like you know people were just tired of the violence to a degree like you know they were living like what we would consider here like lower middle class lives but that was pretty fucking good as opposed to like starving to death Mm -hmm. um and like you know car
1: bombs are pretty fucking hard to deal with on a day-to-day basis so yeah and like the rest of ireland not wanting to like ruin their international standing and like just like cause like a full-on war you know at the expense of like six counties basically
2: yeah, yeah, exactly, a, and like mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, we can become a tax haven, <laughs> you know that'll that'll work out good." Um, and then cool. two thousand eight happens, and, you know. Anyways, so.
1: race to the bottom.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but like, I don't know. We we could go off in a million different directions with that one,
1: <laughs> right? So this, so basically, we get up to the events of the Irish War of Independence, which w- took place from nineteen nineteen to nineteen twenty one. And the combatants, of course, was the Irish Republican Army, just the Irish population in general, the British Army, on the other side, the British Army, the Royal Irish Constabulary, as well as the Auxiliaries, and the Ulster Special Constabulary. Most of the fighting in the war took place in County Cork, as well as major fighting in Dublin and Belfast
2: uh cork is like the major uh port town in the south of ireland the a very like southern tent.
1: yep so let's see here the entire war was like we said earlier polit the war was political the war was espionage oriented it was low intensity guerrilla warfare like we said like 2300 people died that's not a huge amount Perhaps the most interesting and most notable incident to me was the Bloody Sunday Incident of 1920. Not to be confused with the Bloody Sunday Incident of 1972. (laughs) No, the first one was pretty cool. (laughs) Because the IRA assassinated 14 British intelligence operatives in one fell swoop. Although this provoked widespread attacks, including an incident where the Royal Irish Constabulary fired on a football match, just killing tons Mm -hmm. of Irish civilians. Now, some of the events in the film that we're going to talk about are directly related to Bloody Sunday. And, you know, like, it's interesting, right? Because, like, you have an entire population which opposes the British. So intelligence was, like, the thing that allowed the British to operate you kill those guys, you chop the head off the snake, and like, then nobody knows, you know, who the IRA is. No, nobody knows, wh- you know, where to raid or whatever. Like, you mm-hmm. could basically stand a fighting chance if you took out these British intelligence guys. It's just super, super interesting.
2: Yeah, given the uh, population sizes as well. Like, um, I mean, I think that's something to consider. Like just because we are dealing with like a relatively small like number of people so like and like these aren't like giant cities like dublin is fucking tiny like compared to london or you know something like that like these people all like kind of know each other um or at least are aware of who each player is like you know um which, which does, like, make this, you know, and then that comes back to, like, this is, like, a very, like, personal, like, conflict. Like, these people are around each other on a fairly off, like, you know, frequent basis,
1: like, within touching distance. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, like, people in town knew who everyone was, and, like, we'll see in the film, but there are a lot of instances where people will, like, give warnings, like, hey, you better not Fuck with us because we know where you sleep. Like, you know, yeah. direct retaliation is possible in this type of conflict. And uh, on the flip side, that's of course where it gets very ugly too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, jumping ahead, you know, just to say what the end result of this was as a result of the Irish War of Independence, the Irish Free State was officially created and Northern Ireland, six counties, was partitioned and it remained part of Great Britain and then immediately they rolled into the Irish Civil War which I'm not Mm -hmm. going I'm not even going to begin to describe partially because (laughs) things get very hard and partially because the film will take us into that territory too yep yeah yeah Mm -hmm. let's see here so that was the history (laughs) Uh, I think it was necessary though, right? I mean, I think it sets. Oh, us absolutely.
2: Up. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it definitely like builds it up because,
1: you know, it's it's not a a history that's very well known. Yeah, uh, and if you were to watch this film without understanding Irish history, I think a lot of it would hit, but not fully, you know?
2: Yeah, not knowing like the, the various like intricacies of it i mean like and this is like a lot of the history like i wasn't even aware of like myself like to a large degree like um you know i just i always like growing up as a kid was like ah, oh, it's it's all it's too messy There's a lot of bullshit um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean you know i don't know I, I i interjected like a paramount with like marks and angles like uh interpretation of it i mean you know there's not a whole lot i feel like to to add other than um you know it uh the the war of independence in ireland like happens obviously during like a very like the easter rising happens during like world war one for a reason um and it is kind of like you know the british empire entering into the 20th century and then the fading of that empire like as these colonial subjects like begin to you know have like a national conscience or like a you know class consciousness or whatever like um the development of like modernity or whatever you want to call it um you know and like in in Marx and Engels took like a very like active interest um they're actually like is a book that was uh <laughs> published um in like 1969 or something in a uh, by moscow press
1: <laughs> So nice.
2: you know what that means um and uh and yeah it's just uh it's, it's marks and angles on the irish question which i haven't had the opportunity to fully read but um like i did read quite a bit of it and it's it's you know it's mainly just like uh letters in between like marks and angles like about Ireland um marks like obviously being a nerd- ass accountant like took a <laughs> very specific interest <laughs> in you know like uh the graphs and numbers and
1: let me add those tables
2: yeah' just so many fucking tables uh you know um but it's 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 you know and obviously like Marx includes like Ireland and like capital volume one and stuff um you know if, like for very like particular reason and um i mean but Engels was particularly uh taken uh by like the irish character as like the quote i gave earlier um to and stuff but you know they were presented with uh you know interestingly like something that i i feel like in, in in my reading of marxist thought and stuff like wasn't you know i i assumed wasn't taken up with until like Lenin writes imperialism you know like I um I'm not like a Marx scholar by any means I'm just some guy that works in a bike shop um but like uh you know they 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 definitely they took an active interest and like I said earlier um you know Marx referred to Ireland as an agricultural district of England um you know Marx also talks about how what allowed for England's industrial development to become, you know, England um, was the plunder of Ireland's agricultural wealth. Um, Hmm. You know, England is, well, you know, Britain, whatever you want to call that place, uh, you know, is a relatively small island and you have this rather like, you know, um, fertile island next to you that's less technologically advanced than you are. You can subjugate them militarily through like your you know advanced military tech or whatever um and population um and you can just drain them of all their you know agricultural like you know uh, grain and whatnot um yeah and i mean that's, that's essentially it's just kind of like a hard nose look at what um ireland was in you know one of the things that like, uh, like, you know, Jimmy, you brought up earlier was, um, you know, the 1798 revolution of uh, Wolf Tone um, mm-hmm. and how this was, you know, Wolf uh, was directly influenced by like the French revolution. He fought in it. He was a Irish Protestant, but he was, you know, one of uh, Republican, you know, spirit and in virtue and how this uh bourgeois like revolution like failed even though like um you know interestingly like Tone like landed on irish soil like with french troops but britain then like put them down um you know this all and then and then you get the uh you know subsequent uh you know subjugation of like irish industry and stuff and like ireland is relegated to just be this like poor agricultural like backwards area with like it's unfortunately populated with all these people um that like would be employed in like factory towns via you know primitive accumulation capitalist development yada yada um but like you know for agricultural development to like feed england and their her industry like you really don't need all these people um you know it doesn't take that many people to like just farm grain, you know? Um, And uh, yeah, the potato famine happens and England in my estimation, just kind of like, ah, it's so bad. It's really horrible. All these extra people are gone now. Um, Oh yeah, this sucks. Um, You know, which like this um, diaspora that, It then creates uh due to like um so you know Jimmy I know that you um you listed like a couple of figures of like a million dead and then Mm -hmm. uh a million emigrated um I think Marx quotes it at like two million emigrated uh and then like a million point five dead from famine and stuff which you know if you read the first-hand accounts of it's completely horrifying it's it's um yeah it's absolutely just uh devastating and and and, i think i said earlier you know like whole families and then like villages would like take their best kids and be like well you're either going to starve to death or we're going to send you off to america and maybe you'll survive and they would pool their funds and send kids off and that's why every american's like 15 percent irish now um you know uh and this you know, like interestingly, like kind of had two effects. Um, and like the first one was was that in the immediate sense, um, to quote uh from the introduction to the Moscow book, um, the immigrant ship was English imperialism's greatest safeguard against revolution and revolutionary ideas. But then, of course, as we know, um the diaspora population in America, then generated the fenian brotherhood which um mark says actually predates the irish republican brotherhood um Interesting. yeah and then what you get up and you know through like till 19 you know 16 the easter rising and stuff is you know these irish americans who like work their way up through the you know system you get like tammany hall stuff like that um a lot, watch, a lot of cops a lot of cops you know legal gangs essentially uh in new york um and uh you know if you if anyone's watched like boardwalk empire like they talk about like you know funding the cause and stuff and sending guns over for whiskey
1: i was gonna Um, say i was i was like watching it for the first time recently and like i was not expecting so much irish stuff to be in boardwalk empire
2: (laughs) oh yeah no no, nor was i and like the first time i saw it was like no shit really and then like yeah i mean yeah, these, these Irish-American people, like, that came over during the famine, um, you know, then worked their way up the the ladder into, like, you know, positions where they, you know, well, a lot of them were gangsters and stuff, and, yeah, they were still committed to the cause. Um, I think it's famously in uh, the movie The Good Shepherd, Joe Pesci's character is talking about, like, you know, like, talking to Matt Damon's character and, you know, says, like, well, the Irish have the homeland, and, like, the Jews have something, and, like, yeah, I mean, this was, like, a committed, like, thing for Irish-Americans, um, for a long time. Yeah. Like, to be, you know, and it continued up till, uh, you know, my dad met that guy in a St. Paul Irish pub. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, didn't give him money. It's, like, uh, so, I mean, but, but, but that, you know, essentially, just to get back to, like, marks and angles you know like ireland was the first colony of of britain um and they were utilized for agriculture and you know um rebellions were constant throughout um irish history but like due to the fact that you know england had this uh technological or you know militarily like technological superior um Positioning. Um, they were able to subjugate Ireland, which was just, you know, a bunch of people just trying to live in one of the most beautiful places, which you know we'll see in the film. Like, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um mm-hmm. I would really like my my grandma's been a number of times, uh, as most of my family has, and um, one of these days I'll make it over. But yeah.
1: Yeah, it just sucks now that it's just a place for rich Europeans to live.
2: Yeah, I mean, from from what I understand, Dublin's kind of like a frat town. But I I still have technically family there, I guess. Although they'd probably be pretty weird if I was like, "Hey, I'm American. <laughs> I have a bunch of tattoos, and I smell weird." Here.
1: <laughs> I forget. I wanted to ask, and we can cut this if you want. But is one of the tattoos on your arm of the IRA? Of the IRA? Yeah. Uh
2: no, it's a it's like a. I mean, it wasn't specifically about the IRA. It's just like a lady in a balaclava. Mm. But we can say it's IRA.
1: <laughs> just for all yeah, the, the ladies that we want.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Wait a minute. Is that Pussy Riot? No, Nope.
2: Nope. 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 Nope.
1: <laughs> yeah. Couldn't be me. <laughs> okay. So should we get into the film?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey.
1: <laughs> okay. So the film opens with a bunch of guys playing hurling, which I wasn't actually super aware of. I thought it was just like field hockey, which, I mean, it functionally is field hockey, but, like, I didn't yeah, know it pre-tursor. was called hurling. Yeah. Or hurling. <laughs> yeah. Can take it home with you? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. I mean, it's basically <laughs> like the same group of people as. End up in this flying column of the eye, right? Basically, yep.
2: And uh, interesting, I you know, um, interesting uh, precursor. Well, yeah. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, the 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 two O'Donovan brothers are playing on opposite sides
1: during Oh, uh, I was gonna ask because also, yeah, and then. There's also like one of them is like upset at the other. I don't know if that's like the two brothers or if those are different. I couldn't tell which characters were like arguing during it and almost fighting.
2: No, no, it's 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 Teddy and Damian, uh, and they're you know they're beefing with each other, like right at the beginning. And the rap is going like, "No, you guys can't." And then Damien's trying to be amicable.
1: Uh, um, just an interesting kind of. Folks. List. We love to see the intricacies of the cinema. Indeed. Y'all ever watch movies?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, foreshadowing, <laughs> that's what I <I've> think.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's like, damn, movies are good.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> damn, shit, dog. You ever watch movies?
1: <laughs> so, okay. So the hurling game ends, and then we pretty much roll directly into a raid by the black and tans for those who don't remember, the Black and Tans are basically this, like, paramilitary, not, they're not officially the army. They're like a, uh, a, like an auxiliary force, basically. And they're doing a raid.
2: Yeah, th- these are all, like, the Black and Tans, again, we're all guys that, like, fought in fucking World War One, And, well, not all, but, like, many at least, like, the commanders and stuff, like, were guys who were, like, in the fucking trenches and stuff. Just got out,
1: and for whatever reason, they're still in the military. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, it's basically, like, it's basically, like, the Fry Corps, but being applied to the Irish context, basically. Yep. And so they do this raid on this particular Irish farmhouse, where... You know, there's a family and they're one of the main characters of the family, of the movie. And, you know, it's not even really clear what they're raiding about. They just want to, like, hassle everybody, which sounds, you know, that sounds fake, but that, you know, I think they want to, like, maybe find some weapons or something. And, like, they basically get this whole hurling team as well as the, you know, the women and they make them all line up against the wall. Right. And they make them, you know, make each person say their name and occupation. And one of the guys, you know, says his name in Gaelic, right? And he refuses to say his name in English, and so the black and tans beat him to death. Yeah, in this scene, um,
2: every time I watch this movie, uh, really makes me. I'm, I'm kind of. I, I might be tearing up a little right now um it's just i don't know it's it's really fucking it just hits me a lot um maybe it's because like the old lady in it like looks exactly like my grandmother hmm. um but it's just a hard fucking scene to watch and um you know the the, the black and tans too like you know it, it, what you're talking about, like, like, why do they raid? Like, they they mentioned something about a Defense of the Realm Act, um, mm. about like any congregation of men, That's right. like, yeah, like more, you know, like any any gathering, like more than a certain number of people, uh, is, you know, goes against the defense of the realm. But it's it's just a very hard scene. Uh, just seeing some, you know, dumb seventeen-year-old kid, like, just. Not wanting to say his name in English. And then he gets murdered in front of his mom. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's just very rough. And it's like, you're having a good time in the hurling and then just like Mm -hmm. zero to 60, like this film gets like very depressing and sad. But also you're like, you know, like, oh shit, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So the film goes into a funeral, right? And so... It shows the kid, and uh, there's this funeral song, which is very moving. And, you know, we're introduced in both of these scenes to the main character played by Killian Murphy. So it's Damien O'Donovan, as well as his brother, Teddy O'Donovan. And there's a whole, like, group of men of the village, right? And they all are buddies. Uh, but. Damien O'Donovan, I guess he had recently finished his uh, training to become a doctor. And he even had plans to go, and I think he had like a contract or something to go work at a hospital somewhere in Great Britain, right? Something yeah, like that.
2: in London. And I feel like this mm-hmm. is an illusion because um, uh, the character uh, Sinead, who is the daughter or well the uh sister of the uh the young guy uh Michal who dies uh because he wouldn't say Mm -hmm. his name in English um and you know she's asked Damien like so we should all buy a one-way ticket to London then and I feel like that's kind of a you know uh just the you know like the want to escape and get the fuck away from like this awful place cuz like you can make it elsewhere like you know like you don't have to be here like yeah and yeah. it's it's like it's it's still open to you to
1: leave and you can exactly cuz like he you know has economic opportunities that the others don't have
2: yeah and like and it's not that like he's like a rich kid he just you know he's a, he's a bright kid he you know he pulled himself up by his bootstraps
1: um mm-hmm <laughs> but you know like yeah it's, it's interesting because being... like Damien O'Donovan he's almost kind of like a Che figure not so much in like the iconography and all of the actions that he does but I mean like the historical figure of like a doctor who participates in an insurgency that aspect oh, yeah. of it yeah absolutely
2: yeah
1: mm-hmm. so Damien O'Donovan he like Gets to the point where he gets is about to get on a train to go to London. I mean, you know, take a train to a boat to go to London, and you know the black and tans cause problems on the train, so the train doesn't go forward. I forget this character's name. The train guy. I forget.
2: The uh, the conductor.
1: Yeah, the conductor.
2: Uh, his his name's Dan, and and actually this scene was really interesting to me because like this actually was like a historical thing that did happen Mm -hmm. and that the um the railroad workers union did bar uh the transportation of british troops so then what you see is like labor power being able to block like the military power and 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 so i think in that scene like what damien then sees is like like because so after mihal is murdered um you know, his, his his brothers, his friends that are part of the cause are so they're going like, come on, what are you doing? Like, you're going to run away. And he's like, it's not possible. Like the British have machine gun units. They have, cal- you know, they, they got everything. And then what Damien sees on the train station is labor power being able to block the British military forces. And he's like, oh, shit, like this and 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 the, the the train they they successfully turn away the black and pants like they're like we're not going to transport you sorry mm-hmm. like you want to drive the train you can't do it only we can do it and we're not going to do it and then like they beat them down but like you know it's like they do stop them and uh i think Damien um C- killing murphy i i always refer to Killian murphy as silly ass murphy my fiance and i um so, silly-ass Murphy uh, sees that it's possible to, like,
1: actually do this, possibly, you know, in that scene, I thought. so. Exactly. Very interesting. And um, we should also say, so his brother, Teddy O'Donovan, correct me if I'm wrong, but he is essentially the head of the cell of the Irish Republican Army there.
2: Yeah, and I feel like he's also kind of a stand in for Michael Collins as well. Hmm. Yeah. At least historically and stuff, like being like pro treaty and, and
1: everything, but interesting. Yeah, we'll get we'll we'll dig into that. Okay. Oh, yeah. So All right. okay. yeah, yeah. No, okay. So Damien O'Donovan, he goes back and he's like, Okay, fuck it. Not going to be a bougie doctor. I'm going to join the Irish Republican Army. And there's a scene showing him taking an oath in front of his friends, basically. And, uh, you know, he joins what is essentially a secret, well, you know, quasi-secret society and a, you know, formal army, basically. And then they roll into a training montage. And you can see... Uh, the conditions that they have. Uh, they're training with like wooden sticks shaped as rifles because they don't have enough rifles. Well, I, I were, they're, uh, they're, they're Hurley sticks. That's right. I believe you're right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which conveniently look like rifles. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, let's see here. Yeah, so and this is where you know, I just as you read a portion of that one book, um, I read about half of this book, Gorilla Days in Ireland. You can tell we're both Irish because we didn't finish the books before the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what are you gonna do? So, this guy, so this guy who wrote this book, Gorilla Days in Ireland, Tom Barry, he was essentially the he was in charge of the flying column in County Cork, which is where this movie is set. And so basically he was like, literally he would have been like the real life version of one of the Donovan brothers, basically. And he describes how like, well, he was in the British army. A lot of Irishmen were in the British army or had experience. And they basically trained IRA troops and they basically did like the leanest version of training they could because they focused entirely on the things they had and they did not train whatsoever for like all the horseshit, like, you know, the training to like march in parades and stuff, you know, all the normal army training that like has a lot of superfluous stuff. They focused entirely on like ambushes, you know specifically like marksmanship and everything like they they were very uh utilitarian in how they trained is what I would say and that does reflect in the film I think. Yeah. There's even a scene I think where one of them is like, all you need basically is like you know a pack of cigarettes. That's you know how much a soldier needs to shoot you dead. Like the margin of error is very small. Like if they see, if the British see you at all, they will kill you. So well, yeah,
2: and, yeah. Like in during that scene, like um, you know, they're watching the the boys come up, and like the, these are like farm boys, you know, like farm hands, stuff like that. Um, just Irish proletarians, and like you know, you know, one of them's they're, they're like pointing at him with like a hurley stick and be like, I got him, I got him, I got him, I got him, and you know. The, the criticism they have towards these boys like walking up it's just like
1: were,
2: were, were you looking at the skyline were you looking at where the shooters would have been no you're looking at your shoes you're seeing if you got mud on your shoes shoes will you clean on your corpse and then he's like <laughs> this is all I need is a pack of fags and he's you know he shoots his, fa- his box of cigarettes and then oh you wrecked your pack of fags boss like yeah <laughs> exactly that's my that's my key to get away I'm saying bag <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Irish yeah
2: yeah hey yo
1: <laughs> so you know then they're at the point where the IRA goes and does a raid and I think they're raiding probably the black and tans right I'm pretty sure it's not like the British Army
2: no I I feel like um no during that scene um those are uh Irishmen that are have been recruited into the constabulary con, con, or something. Yeah, the
1: that's what I was thinking. Like uh Yeah,
2: because, because they're like you are now seen as traitors to your nation, and then you know.
1: Yeah, so basically they sneak in, get the drop on the entire group and tell them like you need to like either quit or there are going to be reprisals, and then they Tie them all up, steal all their weapons, <laughs> and then basically, you know, get on their way. So now they are more well equipped than before, where they had very few weapons initially. And, you know, from this point on, we're, we've got a full insurgency going. Yeah.
0: I was born on a Dublin street where the Lyle drums did. Single night, but when me dad would come home tight, he'd invite the neighbors out with his chorus. Come on, leg like and tans, come on and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you won medals down the Flanders. And our happy IRA made you run like hell away from the green and lovely lanes uphill the chandra. Um, let us hear you tell how you slandered Great Parnell when you taught a well and truly persecuted. What are the sneers and jeers that you loudly let us hear when our leaders of 16 were executed? Come out, sugar-licking hands, come out and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders. Our age made you run like hell away From the green and lovely lanes of Kailashandra Come tell us how you slew them all Arabs two by two Like the Zulus, they had spears, bow and arrows Oh, brave you faced one with your sixteen pounds the gone And you frightened them damn natives to the marrow. Ship in his hands, come out and fight me like a man Show your wife how you and meadows down the flanders Her house, the Anna Ray, made you run like hell away. From the green and lovely lanes up here is Chandra The time is coming fast and I think this day is near When he's shown him, traitor he will run before us and if there'll be a need, well our kids will say Godspeed With a verse of 2 of singing this fine chorus Come on, shake like his hands, come on and fight me like a man Show you why how you want Like the man, show you away how you want the bounders Tell her how
2: the IRA made your own like all from the green and lovely lanes up to Chandra. You know, and and then you see afterwards there's a shot of um the black and tans basically like running through towns so with like a machine gun mounted on a Jeep, like just firing arbitrarily through like the streets and um you know and like we mentioned earlier like one of the things that this brought to mind was just like the necessity for everybody to wear masks during this um because it's just a small number of people involved um and then this like you know you you can kind of see where like the seeds of like the phoenix program like come from this of oh, yeah. like this is a small population these people know each other like how do we stop this insurgency like yeah
1: yeah no because the entire war becomes oriented around the british trying to figure out who's in the ira because it's a relatively small number of people and then using paid and unpaid informants and torture figuring out who they are harassing their families capturing, identifying, torturing, and killing this relatively small group of people. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because, again, in this book, The Guerrilla Days in Ireland, this real-life flying column basically existed specifically to keep the fight going because this whole thing was a political battle to, like, force England to the negotiating table. So, like, having fighting happening in county cork was like politically important to bring the war to a close because it's not a question of like can england or great britain put down the rebellion it's can they do it at the like can like you know what i'm saying like that can they do it without spending too much money and without like causing a ruckus in british parliament yeah exactly like the political costs
2: yeah or like you know like can they um you know like save face like like are are you really gonna invest as much like uh we just got done with a war like you know yeah like it's basically like vietnam yeah and then it's also interesting to note that like um lloyd george uh who was the pm at the time um was a labor yeah figure you know and uh which then kind of goes into the next scene, which,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, which scene are you thinking?
2: Oh, uh, when they're in the pool hall or whatever, the pod yes. is like the pool table. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then the uh, the boys, this, this group of uh, flying column members are just in there, like, you know, in civilian clothes, like playing pool, whatever, just being normal guys. And then a bunch of black and tans come in and are like, all right, off you go off the table, this is our pub now, like, up, you know, like, they take, like, the private room or whatever. And then, uh like, the two old guys at the pub are, you know, just talking about, like, how they're bullshit the Black and Tans are. Yeah, they're yeah. just, like... And then, like, one of them, like, mentions, like, kind of offhand, like, oh, we can expect what the Boers got then. And then one of them mentions, like, he's talking about uh Prime Minister Lloyd George, who's a labor member. Um, Like, oh, friend of the worker, Lloyd George. You know, mm. which... Uh, you know, maybe could make you think of a certain like uh, Lyndon B. Johnson figure or something like that. Maybe, <laughs>
1: you know, oh, uh, and it's funny, it's interesting, trash, right? Because, like, the Boers, right? The Boers were put down in a brutal, brutal fashion, and you yeah. know, that's a complicated question because they were themselves kind of a colonial project and so forth. But, oh, yeah, <laughs> on the flip side, it's interesting because the Boer rebellion had a harder go of it because there were not british people you know there were not british targets to strike back at in ireland there were a lot of brits around to hit and we're not just talking like british military we're talking like british estates rich people
2: i mean the the anglo-irish landlords you know um Mm -hmm. although like you know even they were considered like lesser than obviously in like London society, you know, they were just Protestants with horses, as I mentioned <laughs> earlier. Um, but like, you know, like yeah, like
1: so like you know the yeah. costs were much higher for this war when you could just burn out a British landlord, just light his whole mansion on fire.
2: hmm
1: You know, drag him out to the countryside and you know, as we'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. No, but it's like in terms of like cinema. it's a tight economical script where you got a few old guys, but they drop some lines that are just like insightful as hell, very good stuff.
2: Yeah, and actually I, I made a note of it later, but um <laughs> one of the things I love in this is uh, just the uh, the amount of stuttering <laughs> that uh, <laughs> the characters do. I was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. I yeah, I've seen uncles do that. <laughs> After a couple too many pints, yeah. It's that's the real bad. Well, but
1: I <laughs> and I will say, okay. So we were talking about this off mic, but like my one gripe with this movie is that the action sequences are stiff. They are not good, and yeah. I don't just mean that in the like oh i enjoy aestheticized violence or hollywood violence or what have you it actually comes across as like kind of what's the word like the director clearly hasn't uh filmed a lot of movies that have violence
2: yeah yeah so kind of uh like in naivete i guess maybe like yeah in in relation to violence um you know i don't know like i i I have a note about this in the scenes about to come um Hmm. but i guess i could just say now like it's um i feel like what he does is he kind of relies on like the the moral weight of the violence itself to like lend uh you know um engagement with like the scene it's just mm-hmm. like yeah like this is such like a heavy fucking thing and yeah. so uh, i'm just gonna show in the starkest like uh way possible and luckily like you know like some of the actors like uh silly ass murphy like you just whose whose performance like throughout this is just phenomenal he's a great fucking actor um like they they do kind of carry it, but like I, I feel like yeah, uh, Loach kind of just like he's just like like this is such a heavy thing to even think about that I don't even need to like try and dress it up at all.
1: If yeah. that makes sense. No, for sure. It almost feels like a play at times when it comes to the violence specifically. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was I made the comparison, uh and this film doesn't hold up in this regard, but like Uh, Army of Shadows, this French film about the uh, French resistance during World War II, has what I would call extremely realistic violence, which is to say it doesn't glamorize it or aestheticize it at all. But in that case, in Army of Shadows, which actually thematically is very similar, you get the impression that the director has seen someone shot before and then I don't get that feeling with this film.
2: Oh no. Like, yeah, no, yeah.
1: No squibs, no, you know, the way people fall is not that convincing. Like just no, little details.
2: There's there's one yeah scene in particular where like the way the actor falls you're just like that is the most Yeah. You know, but like the the the, the gravity of the, the situation I think kind of overrides it but like not yeah. enough to like make it
1: work it's really the only issue with my my only issue with this film and it's not a huge issue so
2: yeah yeah exactly like because i mean it's still it still lands like it still gets the point across that you want it to but like
1: mm-hmm. i don't know i just as the yeah. director
2: myself no i'm just kidding <laughs>
1: Well, it's, I'll say probably my last thing, right? So I do have an issue with, like, Hollywood violence because it's frequently probably irresponsible the way they do it. And then on the flip side, if you're doing, like, a punch and it just sounds like a huge thud, that's just not how punches are, you know? Like, yeah, there's all kinds of issues with how Hollywood does violence that is fucked up. But, like, this is, like, more on the side. Personally, I feel like it's more just, like, he was bad at it rather than, like, a specific artistic choice
2: yeah no exactly yeah i mean you know it's the my, my same thoughts on like uh, sex scenes and stuff nice sex and violence you know like um yeah they could
1: both be done better <laughs> most of the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's see here so but to that end there it, there are some extremely cool scenes in this film <laughs> mm-hmm. like this one where the guys playing pool leave, presumably to grab their guns, I think. Mm-hmm. And then they re-enter the bar, go to the back room where the black and tans are, and there's like three of them, and they just fucking open fire with pistols, just just mowing these guys down. Just fucking ventilate them. Yeah. <laughs> and it almost reminded me of like Reservoir Dogs, the way all three of them lined up, and it was just like, Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> these were the same fuckers that were, like, that literally like beat to death some poor kid, you know? Like, these guys yeah. had it coming.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, these are the same guys. These aren't some, like, faceless, like, non-coms that, like, came in later or whatever. Like, these are the same dudes who murdered your fucking guy, like, that you grew up with. In front of his mom and his grandma. Mm -hmm. And now you get to kill him. Like, I don't know. I don't condone violence by any means necessarily, but like uh, that seems pretty fucking justified. Exactly.
1: And then I think there's another scene of Black and Tans doing reprisals, just going through the town, just shooting places up and just acting crazy.
2: Yeah, just like beating any like Catholic guy that they see, like, that they mm-hmm. know is like Catholic and just like in front of his like wife and children. Yeah. And like probably like crippling him so that he can't go to work. And then now they're going to starve. Exactly. You know, you just, a lot of these things, you just draw out like the implications of like, well, what happens if an ironmonger has a broken arm? Well, his family probably goes hungry. Mm
1: hmm. Now, I think the next scene of note is the uh, the rich British the rich British estate. Am I right?
2: Yep. Yeah. Which? Well. So. Yes. That actor too. I I can't
1: remember his fucking name. I didn't look this up. <laughs> yeah. No. He's great though. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, Sir John Hamilton is the character. So Roger Allen. He's in. Game of Thrones, he's in V right. for Vendetta, oh yeah The Thick yep. of It, okay mm-hmm. Nice, yeah he's great <laughs> He plays this like British lord basically, who has this like estate, and <laughs> inadvisably he is not an absentee landlord, he's very much there no. <laughs> uh, And he acts and this is something that Tom Barry of Guerrilla Days in Ireland points out There were two types of informers. There were unpaid informers who did it for the love of king and country. You know, typically either Protestants or rich people. Mm -hmm. Or both. And the paid informants, of course, were paid for their troubles. And they were more likely to be either Irish Catholic or poor. You know, some mixture thereof. And so he this British Lord he basically uh writes to the authorities and is like I think one of my servants is in the IRA and so they uh I think it's black and tans in this case too they basically get one of these guys who I think he's like on the younger side right I mean he's like pretty young
2: he's like yeah he's like a kid and he's so he's a member of this flying column like he's mm-hmm. a young Irish Catholic farmhand. hand. Um, Was he even one of the
1: shooters I think?
2: No. No okay. he wasn't. Um, yeah no he's just been like training with them and stuff like he plays Hurley with them and then this Hurley uh, team turns into a flying column which is like kind of an interesting thing you think about like football hooligans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh Yeah, he's just like a young fucking kid, you know, working on a farm. You know, getting caught up in
1: some. Exactly. Because, like, the nature of this is that, like, a certain amount of IRA men basically were permanently underground, like, or not under, you know, some of them were like underground metaphorically, and some of them, you know, basically had to live out in the country. Just you know, in the wilderness, basically, or yeah. moving between well, house to house and certain farms and so forth.
2: Yeah, and and I will say so. The character's name is 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 Chris Riley, mm-hmm. and um, this will play in the third act of the film. Yep. Very, very, yeah, and in, integral. In like it's it's very important. This character,
1: Chris Riley. Exactly. So Chris Riley basically is confronted by his boss and these black and tans and he, you know, tries to get out of it. But ultimately he informs and the information he provides leads the black and tans to do a raid on the flying IRA column where I think pretty much everyone gets captured. Yep. Yeah, the whole column. Yeah, pretty much. This is a departure from the guerrilla days in Ireland, or rather, you know, it's a different group or something, because that column was not captured, you know. So this is, like, very much different in that regard. That flying column actually uh, massively overperformed according to expectations, and it was actually really, really cool stuff. But anyway, Mm -hmm. in the film, they get captured, pretty much everybody, the whole Hurley team. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically, everyone's in this like holding cell. And Killian, you know, they basically go in and they know who the head of the cell is, Teddy O'Donovan. And so they're like, who, which one of you is Teddy O'Donovan? Yeah. But they and, don't know what he looks like. Yeah. yeah. And so Killian Murphy tries to say, like, oh, I'm Spartacus, you know, like, yep. but basically, they take the right Teddy O'Donovan, his brother, and they torture him. And I got to say, we were talking about how the violence didn't really completely work, but like the torture was extremely, it felt very realistic to me. I don't know. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, no, that's the note you know I mean. It's like, it's it's very like vivid. Um, Basically, the, uh, the black and tan commander goes at him with a pair of uh, rusty pliers and rips out his fingernails one by one yeah like whispering in his ear and um yeah it's it's pretty good and you know like um i don't know like you can compare it to like inter- interrogation techniques in like later like colonial uh campaigns of like repression or whatever um and be like oh well you know tearing at your fingernails is kind of thing. guy got his fucking fingernails torn out and like a lot of that worse happened during the Irish war of like independence.
1: Like it's yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> Let me see. Yeah, exactly. And then
2: the, the, the guys and the, the thing is though, is that he's like right down the hall and all his flying column is in the cell and they all start singing a song in Gaelic and like pounding against the walls and it's a very mm-hmm. moving scene. Um, And then also, like, uh, Jimmy, I'm sorry if I'm, like, stepping on your feet, but, uh, like, um, also during this period, um, the train driver from earlier, Dan, um, pops back up, and he's also in prison. Uh, It turns out that, like, Dan, the train conductor from the union, is a socialist agitator, surprise, surprise, Uh, who's been, like, writing newsletters, and he's in there for, like, printing out, like, socialist pamphlets like, calling the people to, like, insurrection and stuff. So, like, Damien and him link up, and, like, I feel like their relationship is, like, very uh, integral as far as, like, illustrating, like, the left-wing,
1: like, socialist component of, like, the IRA during this period. Yeah, exactly. And it's very interesting because, like, the IRA itself in every era had different wings, you know, some of which were for socialism and some of which were uh much more nationalist in character. Very
2: <laughs> wildly <laughs> reactionary.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh let's see. Was it in this scene where they where the uh where Dan, the train conductor, talks about having met Connolly and seen him speak?
2: Um or not if,
1: yeah quite
2: this scene. It's like a little bit forward, but yeah, no, that's Oh no! Um. So yeah, just like jumping ahead, they um they bring Teddy O'Donovan back in. He's got his, he's now fingernailless. Um, improved by the British Empire. Um, and uh, then they like separate them, and uh, so it's Damien O'Donovan and uh, Dan, the train conductor, in a cell, mm-hmm. and uh, Damien is sitting there with the candle. And like they split a cigarette and they're smoking, just like lamenting their fate because they're probably going to be shot in the morning. Actually, more than probably. And uh, Damien leans over the candle and he's reading some of the graffiti on the wall. And it's a poetry quote, which winds up being from William Blake. And uh, Dan catches it and finishes it. And uh, then that's when he talks about how he was at the Easter Rising with Connolly and uh afterwards was taken to the uh concentration camp and uh that's right as much as he doesn't want to admit it to the bastards the british uh but that's where he learned to read and write and that's where he learned uh william blake um and which is interesting in that like uh in a sense this is the only mention of uh connelly in the film
1: yeah no, he looms prominently, but uh, he only comes up once, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And th- th- there's a really great uh quote actually, I don't know if it was in the film or if it was from a Feral Schwamper's podcast, <laughs> nice, uh, where he goes into uh, he's, he's talking about Ireland in relation to Russia and Ukraine and talking about how, um, uh, you know. If you don't fight for a socialist republic of ireland like england will still control you through her bankers uh you know her yeah. businessmen her capitalist interests the only difference will be that it'll be a
1: green flag instead of a union jack above the bank beautiful yeah mm-hmm. which is what you know that pretty much perfectly describes the state of ireland now right yep 100 uh, yep No, that's a very moving scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Following that, uh, I think they take Damien O'Donovan to a room where I correct me if I'm wrong, but the point is that they're trying to flip him, right? They're trying to, or are they just trying to read him charges? Or I forget exactly what they're doing.
2: I I don't necessarily know if they're trying to flip him. They're just like interrogating him. And what he does is he comes at this uh, black and tan officer with just the most basic sentiment that any kind of standard non, you know, bourgeois Englishman would like. Like, I am a Democrat. We voted this way. Get off my island. Like, I am. We did it your way the entire way and yep. you won't give it to us like like what the fuck do you expect me to do like and um which then results in a just a little bit of a mock execution
1: which well no before that actually I did want to point out the british officer he is like shaking and almost crying because he like knows that he does not have the moral ground to like respond to that yeah you know and because he's like enraged, well, because he's like distraught over this, then his reaction is to lash out with violence,
2: mm-hmm. which, yeah, like again, like, um, does call back to like the kindly ones and like the position of like mm-hmm. you know, these educated like Einsatzgruppen, uh, members like who do understand like these concepts of like enlightenment, like democratic values and whatnot, and like they've presented with all the evidence in the world that like what they're doing is wrong but like you know yet here they are duty bound to like fulfill this role of like subjugating
1: the people exactly and like they are put in a position to brutalize the population and almost like this interesting mechanism they are enraged by the position they're in. And then they take it out on the natural target, which Mm -hmm. just so happens to be the target that the state wants them to do. So it's like, you see that sort of like, it's not that they're state, like, it's not that they're sadistic. It's that they end up carrying out the state violence as a result of the position they're put in, but then they end up internalizing it and, you know, doing the then violence perpetuating like, it. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Like they're they're just so frustrated by like this position that they are put in. Like and the only like the state has then provided them with like, well, you can't really like reflect this back onto us. Like you'll get a bullet in the head. So here's your, you know, scapegoat. It's like, even though they know intellectually on every level that like the argument being presented by the subjugated person like is valid and that like you know if they really are like enlightened Europeans like they should accept it but like the you know logic of capital (laughs) like will not allow that
1: exactly exactly and then I think there's the uh the mock execution right
2: yeah yeah which is like um I think like I don't know. I, I feel like in the film it's very underplayed but like does anybody who's like a Dostoevsky fan like mm-hmm. you know like mock, mock execution goes a long ways, and like uh how committed you are to like your beliefs and stuff like
1: you know just like the craziest mind game you could possibly play
2: yeah like you are about to die and and then but you know, so what he does is he gets this young Irish recruit to come in and fire a blank at Damien's head. Mm-hmm. Um And, that and it's like Irish you're also like
1: basically in. testing your own troops, basically.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, and then you know, at that point, that like Damien is like he's fully committed. He's already died for the cause. Yeah. At this point,
1: like he's already a dead man. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, I, correct me if I am wrong, but I think it's this same soldier who, uh, was about to, you know, would have killed this guy, like shot a blank into him. Mm-hmm. It's that same kid who then basically lets the whole flying column out of jail.
2: Yeah, because yeah, because his uh, his father's from Donegal, um, so he's he's half Irish, and he comes in, and he's like. I won't have your dads on my conscience. And he frees all the IRA. Mm -hmm. Or, well, as many as he can.
1: Yeah. And they had to leave a few because, like, some of them were in a different cell and he didn't have the keys and so forth. Yep. Which is just like freaking heartrending to, you know, even imagine. Yeah. Guys he grew up with, you know. Crazy. Now. At this point, you know the flying column is back in the field, and they figure out pretty easily who the informer was who identified their location, and it's you know that uh, what was his name, Chris Riley.
2: Chris Riley, yeah, the young farmhand who is basically like coerced into like giving up the info.
1: So the IRA does the natural thing. They go directly to the British estate and (laughs) they pretty much go right into his office and they confront him, you know, at gunpoint. And this also is one of the, uh, this is a very, very cool, but also moving scene, right? Mm -hmm. They basically like hold him at gunpoint and they have him write a letter. And I think the gist of it, right, is they're basically taking this British lord hostage and they will execute him if their three, you know, three comrades who they had to leave behind were tortured or killed. Well, you know, killed, executed. And they leave that letter, you know, and they take this British lord hostage and they also take the informer, Chris Riley. And then they go way off in the countryside to hide, basically. Now, I think there are two things at least that I want to touch on briefly. So do you recall, trash, what they say where the British guy, he's getting so huffy and angry, and he's like, you'll never beat us. Or something. You'll like, and then like, Killian Murphy's da- the Damian O'Donovan character says something like really cool back to him. I don't exactly recall. Oh
2: yeah, no. So like, so they're having him read out the letter. Yep. And uh, he's like, "God preserve Island if ever the likes of you take control of it." And then, silly ass Murphy like points his gun at his dome and is like, "Well, better start getting used to the idea." Yeah. Yeah, nice. and then like uh, T- Teddy O'Donovan though has a much more effective line in that scene I think is yeah. because he's just looking around the room this big British lord's room after he grew up in a hut you know living off of potatoes he's like such a big beautiful room and he looks at him he's like hard to imagine a man screaming from here
1: yeah you're like damn alright oh yeah <laughs> And then it also doubly works, too, because of the trajectory of where Teddy's character goes and uh, the choices Mm -hmm. he makes. Exactly, yes. Mm, The intricacies of the cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the next scene is the people's court, or... I, I I guess I just pulled that term out of my ass. Yeah. I don't know what they nope. call it.
2: Well, yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, the Republican Court, uh, the, the mm. attempt of the Irish to institute <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rule of law. Yeah, <laughs> for all that we can, um, yeah, which is like uh, this: the Irish mother comes in, and and this is where you see you begin to see the. Economic split between, yeah, you know, what is like this socialist uh people's movement versus like business interests of like the Irish capitalists because, like, there there, there are Irish Catholic capitalists that like exist within Ireland, and um, and yeah, they, you begin to see this play out.
1: I will point out that the judges were women in this court because. The Irish, you know, say what you will, but there is a great tradition of uh, feminine, like Irish feminism, which cannot be denied.
2: Oh, there's nothing an Irish Catholic man loves more than to be yelled at by a domineering Irish Catholic woman. And I say that <laughs> from my life. <laughs> it's something that exists. It's just, you know, it's, anyways. Mm hmm.
1: <laughs> and so in this court you know on the one hand the the guy who lent the money to this poor irish you know grandmother he's like she hasn't been making any fucking payments of course like the interest is like way high but then the court on the other hand is like yeah like but like cumulatively you've charged like 500 interest and but on the flip side he's like yeah it, if you don't pay then it ends up being like huge so like you do see on the one hand like you know just like this interesting whole like cultural difference between like irish catholics and like this general unease with like you know capitalism in the first place and then on the flip Mm -hmm. side like (laughs) economic realities
2: yeah yeah well i mean like it goes back to like what angles was talking about like what does the irishman know of thrift like (laughs) he does not exist like in this world like you know like these are you know like a, a a clan people like they don't exist in this this doesn't make any sense to them like
1: yeah exactly and it's like killian murphy's character clear and so also dan the conductor they're both obviously on the side of both the court, which renders a judgment in the favor of the Irish grandmother. <laughs> but then, ironically, Teddy O'Donovan, his brother, and several of the IRA are on the side of the money lender mm-hmm. for particularly like mercenary reasons, because they need his assistance in order to buy weapons yeah and so there's like this whole like fissions and fractures within the movement like you said
2: yeah and i mean you know it's an interesting thing like um you know lenin obviously like comes to mind of like assessing like material conditions um quote unquote like war communism or whatever like mm-hmm comes to mind of like you know just like accepting like the reality like do we preserve the revolution and like you know um compromise like our ideals like or do we face like the reality of like we're facing like this huge imperial power and like we literally need everything we have so you know what is the answer there
1: i don't know exactly and it's like this isn't like one of those like oh the easy answer it's socialism you know like you know teddy o'donovan makes the valid point that this court only exists because we can protect it with the ira and Mm -hmm. we cannot protect it if we don't have these weapons we cannot alienate this rich guy you know like these are like not you know academic questions or they're not unimportant they are like life or death questions and I don't know. I mean, maybe in this particular instance, Teddy O'Donovan was right. I don't, I legitimately don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I do.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's such a, you know, can you, can you question like what Mao did? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously he fucked up in a number of ways, but like, uh, they still fucking won. Like, you know, like, uh, you know what I mean it's 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 hard it's hard to hard, it's hard to answer these like yeah and and then obviously like the framing that like a lot of contemporary cinema like puts these things in it's just like wow no they were bad they, look at they didn't live up to their ideas and it's like when well, you're only saying that because you didn't win or whatever like you know
1: like yeah yeah anyways I don't know exactly exactly Now, Trash, I have the line, I've crossed the line now, which I think that Damien O'Donovan's character says to Sinead, who is sort of his love interest, where basically Mm -hmm. they're discussing the struggle, and like, you know, he's talking about these mounting pressures on him, like, killing for the the movement, basically, and taking a guy hostage, you know, like... Mm -hmm just this escalation of violence is just, like, ratcheting up. Just, like, yeah. the way... You can tell it's, like, weighing on him, right?
2: Yeah, which, I mean, you know, he's about to make his biggest uh, commitment to the cause. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, Sinead and uh, Damien's relationship is really just heartbreaking because you know they'd be such a cute couple as my partner I said
1: <laughs> I mean she's not wrong no yeah you know both very pretty so yeah and it's funny because a lot of war movies I think don't show the uh, strict limitations like they literally can't be together because like <laughs> Like, during the entire, you know, Irish War of Independence, the and particularly in County Cork, they were on a razor-thin margin of just being gunned down or captured and executed. Yeah, exactly. There was no like, leeway they, to be together.
2: No, they cannot be seen together at all. Like, they cannot be associated whatsoever. Like, you know, they have to be mm. totally separate. Like, yeah. Which is, you know, like, you know, most war movies are... In a faraway place and stuff, but this is all happening like on these people's like doorsteps.
1: Yeah, you know, like yeah. Now I think at this point, right, they do the raid on the auxiliaries. Um, or am I out out of order? Uh, at this point,
2: I think they go to the execution. Scene where they take him out to the countryside. Dang, I didn't and take any
1: notes on that. Okay, Chris Riley. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, yeah,
2: which uh, a, a big thing I have noted is not enough dogs, <laughs> could be more dogs in the movie.
1: Yeah, there's a three legged do...
2: dog. Yeah, there's a three legged border collie, which I, 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 I grew up with border collies, all of them, anyways. Uh, but yeah, no, um, the. And and this is kind of what you were speaking of, like the scenes of violence like do fall flat. Um, where um uh yeah, they, they they take the uh British uh landowner, um, gentleman farmer, as they call him, out into the countryside and uh and Chris Riley, the informer, and then execute him. And obviously, like executing the British landlord like isn't a problem. And he shouts out this big line like uh, you'll never beat us. They'll never win and then silly ass murphy like you know
1: plugs him yeah down. and we should we should Fuck say specifically they didn't want to but the three comrades that were in prison were executed
2: oh yeah yeah right. yeah so yeah so so they get a letter saying that like the three that they left behind were all shot in the morning um so then they have to kill these two guys and what the IRA, uh, higher ups say is you have to kill the spies, which includes this 17 year old, let's say, uh, farmhand, Chris Riley, who is just this young kid, mm-hmm. illiterate, you know, um, can't even write a letter to his mom saying he's going to die. And, uh, this is a guy that Damien O'Donovan, uh, Cillian, uh, Killian Murphy's, uh, character, um, you know, played Hurley with, has known since he was a kid, but the IRA higher-ups have said "Uh, you have to kill the spies, and so...
1: And also, I mean, like, you're right, like, the IRA, like, this is the rule they have to follow during wartime, but on the flip side, you know, there is also the understanding that, like, he did inform and caused people they know to be killed
2: Yes. Yeah. So it's like,
1: you know, it's not just like, oh, we have to do it because like the higher ups said like they know that like this is the consequence. Like,
2: yeah, this is this is literal fucking war. So like, you know, like one of the things I just scribbled was just like the iron discipline of like, you know, yeah, this is the kid he grew up with and stuff, but he caused the death of three other guys that you grew up with because he you know and like and he wasn't even like tortured like from what we saw he's just like a dumb kid which is you know these are the hard fucking questions that like these liberation movements are presented with like what the fuck do you do in that circumstance you know, like Yeah. Let them, you know you know then then what are you know and, and it's and so in the movie uh killing Murphy Murphy's character, Damien O'Donovan uh shoots this kid, you know, yeah. for for squealing and you know I don't know, it's uh it's 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 a hard scene, and it it comes into play later.
1: Let's say, like, and the kid's yeah. one wish was well, two wishes, like, you know, for them to tell his mother where he's buried, and for him to not be buried next to the British guy. Yep, it's just you know heartrending.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know what we we switch it up. <laughs> So, the execution scene happens, and then the courtroom scene happens, and then that's where Killian Murphy's character says the Sinead, I've crossed the line now.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: <sighs> Fuck.
1: Oh, well, it's fine. Yeah, it's. Yeah, yeah, you know. Most people watch the movie anyway. Who cares? Yeah, you know. Um, so, the. Next thing, maybe, is the raid, right? The ambush on yeah. the uh, auxiliaries. Oh, yeah. And so this is pretty cool because I will say Guerrilla Days in Ireland by Tom Berry excellent, excellent book. But most of it is descriptions of literal combat, like you see in a couple scenes of the film. And I'm not a huge, like, war combat guy necessarily, so a lot of it is kind of boring to me. It's an extremely interesting book, however, Uh, but, you know, a lot of what they talk about is in, you know, that book, or I should say a lot of scenes like that take place in the book, and... It's just interesting because I think they utilize one guy dressed up as a black and tan to stop the truck full of auxiliaries, and then like they just all pop up out of the hills and they just mow these guys down, they just take out mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of soldiers very effectively. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Teddy of Donovan is like sitting there. He's he's all dressed up as a black and tan, and they got a little motorcycle probably like a norton or something like busted and he's just like acting like a black and tan commander like ah my motorcycle busted ah can you guys help me out then once they stop he like plugs the two uh drivers and then tosses a grenade in yeah and they all pop out which i will say um the trench coat look with like the newsy cap and the rifle and the bandoliers hard look oh yeah that is fucking cool as shit. I normally hate newsy caps. <laughs> Unless the people yeah. who wear them nowadays. But like yeah. the trench coat and the rifle and the bandolier. It's a it's a very good look. <laughs>
1: it's a vibe. Yeah. It's, a,
2: it's a total vibe.
1: Yeah. No, you can tell probably uh, Peaky Blinders was probably hearkening back somewhat to this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, in probably several ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. I think that uh, Teddy O'Donovan, I think, gives a speech. Uh, after the raid, he gets them well, all to let. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, I, I was just going to say. Um, one of the notes I had was um. So during the raid that happens, mm-hmm. so they kill the uh black and tan auxiliary unit that's driving through. Uh, but one of their guys gets shot, which is Gogan yeah. uh, who's a character, you know, that has been around since the beginning. And what you see, like, after they're done decimating this black and tan unit, is, like, their guys walking around, like, crying. Yeah. And it kind of speaks to, like, <sighs> like, these guys, like, aren't hardened military units yet. Like, this is still, like, very close, like, to their hearts. Like, and they just saw, like, one of their head guys, like, that they've been hanging out with, you know, like, get shot and, and and so like they're weeping and then they, he makes them all like join up information he's like this is it like let's like come on get it together like this is war like
1: yeah yeah no exactly and you also do get the impression that like they are you know distraught over killing even yeah. British guys mm-hmm. you know like like you said these are not hardened soldiers so like they're upset that one of their own has died and that they killed people. Like this yes. is very traumatic, you know, in general. And so he makes them line up, like you said, and he gives a short speech, uh, one of the one of which is that like uh yeah, like that basically that they sent a message to the British cabinet that will reverberate throughout the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is one where this incident, I think, is actually in guerrilla days in Ireland, because there was a particular raid where they just killed a ton of, you know, <clears throat> forces. And, you know, we talk about information warfare. The The newspapers didn't report it as a battle, but they reported... A large number of casualties, and you could read in between the lines. But you know, basically, the more casualties there were, the the higher the perceived cost of putting down this whole Irish rebellion. The better their chances for negotiating peace and or you know a independent socialist or an independent republic, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's just super interesting because I mean the fighting in County Cork was some of the most crucial to the whole thing and so what they were doing you know like we said only like 2300 people died period so like this was functionally one of the bigger battles uh in a certain sense
2: yeah but in like you also have to factor in like this is after like World War One, like everybody's Mm -hmm. just Fucking tired of war and so like the fact that like like why what why are guys still dying out there like you know what, what is the point of this and it's it's kind of like the imperial corps like uh exhaustion with like the maintenance of the empire and like like why are we still doing this like why are we still giving you guys you know
1: yeah no because like the average member of the public does not own land in ireland yeah the average member of the public is more inclined to be like, yeah, fuck it, let them be, let them have home rule, who cares, you know, like yeah, give them something, you know. Mm-hmm. Doesn't affect me, I mean, un- un- until it does in a sense, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, they do this raid, they are pleased with how it went and so forth, and they are marching back to town, and they come across the same Irish farmhouse, which is where Sinead lives. It's the house that got raided in the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. you know, where me, Mi- me was murdered and so forth. And there, the black and tans are again, doing another raid, looking for them specifically. Cause they know the IRAs around. They're trying to figure out where they are. And they, the whole flying column is in this, like, wooded area so they can see what's going on but they and they would be in a exquisite position to ambush them in fact if they could but none of them have ammunition they have like no ammunition and so they cannot engage with the black and tans and there's literally Sinead's family like you know Sinead's there like his love interest just getting harassed you know like tortured in fact by these black and tans.
2: I it, think it's implied um, that she's being raped. Um, yeah. because that was like a pretty common occurrence. And if you read any accounts of like the black and tan's conduct um yeah I think like the cutting off the hair and stuff is uh, that's implying that that she was raped. And then especially like later on when she's dressed like all in white it's uh
1: Hmm. yeah no for sure and then also with the cutting her hair you know they have they've got like basically like uh sheep shears and when you're trying to cut someone's hair that doesn't want their hair cut, like they end up gashing her head open and like extremely Mm -hmm. brutalizing scene and they're just like the ira men are just like crying because they can't like Protects their own people basically and yep. you know like we mentioned earlier the insurgency is hardest on women you know like mm-hmm. the costs of doing a insurgency are borne by the entire population and frequently because they can't you know the occupation frequently can't hit the actual combatants they will just take it out on anybody who happens to be around Yep. Very, yeah. v- very brutal stuff. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, it almost feels like because they didn't get to, you know, climactically kill everyone, all of a sudden, truce is declared. Hey, look at that. Which is, you know, it feels, it's very, you know, thematic to how this film is, but like, this is how a lot of, you know, how war ends for most people, like all of a sudden, oh, like, you know, out of nowhere, it seems like we're like we're done, and it feels very abrupt and arbitrary, and kind of underscores the uh, pointlessness of the whole thing in some ways.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not that I think it's pointless, but you understand, like it's no. Very Somebody
2: strange. did a cost-benefit analysis of <laughs> continuing occupation versus, uh, you know, projected growth. And, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: The accountants over in, uh yeah, in Westminster. Yep. yep. Said uh, this is really viable. We can we can work around this. And so, what do you do if you're Irish and you just probably won independence? You have a dance party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they do. <laughs> Which
2: I, I I will note. um I've been to a few of these things. Every uh, Irish Spring Band has at least one bearded guy uh, in a chair who's uh, not doing anything. (laughs) He's just sitting there, clapping normally, kind of. (laughs) And that's included in this scene. So it's a very accurate.
1: Yeah. Trash, how long (laughs) before you become that guy?
2: (laughs) Man, God willing, that is my fate. (laughs) <laughs> that is what I will be the guy sitting in the string band going alright here I am
1: <laughs> and uh, you know they sort of throw in some scenes with Damien O'Donovan and Sinead you know they sort of uh, they kiss you know she's wearing a headscarf because she you know was g-
2: raped yeah <laughs> Brutally,
1: Yeah, and then they all go, and they, uh, you know, in the old days, they used to have, like, film reels for news. So they get a film reel of the news, which is how they learn about the truce negotiations. And it's great because they're watching, and everyone's having a great time because they're seeing, like, negotiations going on. I think they're in Dublin or something, or maybe not, I, Whatever somewhere yeah. the negotiations are happening and then you know they do the silent film thing where they like putting text on the screen for like what happens and then there's like all of a sudden there's this like line that's like and the uh, the truce includes you know a provision that uh Ireland will remain a dominion or something like that right
2: mhm yep yeah uh... and they,
1: everyone just loses their shit <laughs> Yeah. I think Damien O'Donovan's character shouts I won't have any fucking gang. You know, which is you know pretty much everyone is shouting things like that. Someone says this is a betrayal of 1916. And you know on and on. And so basically you know and this is the uh I did all that research but I did less for the Civil War but Mm-hmm. The long and short of it is that basically there was this truce which would have, well, it's basically what ended up happening, which is that a Irish state would be created and that six counties in Northern Ireland would be partitioned and would remain as Northern Ireland as part of Great Britain. So, you know, not Ireland would not be completely free and... Am I missing anything here, Trash? Or uh
2: no. Um all I have in my notes is that um I mean Ireland would not become like a proper independent country until the De Valera era. Um mm. yeah. When no, yeah, he's running like essentially like a theocracy yeah. in Ireland. Um and I think that was largely due to just like trade agreements and stuff like that which you know all ties back to Connolly saying that like if you don't establish an irish socialist republic like this is going to happen and then it did
1: so yeah and like with the truce wasn't there no you're right because like it wasn't full independence even for the free state the free state was still subordinated to a certain extent to the british empire No, yeah. A dominion, I think, is the term. Yeah.
2: No, no, no. Yeah. It it was a dominion. And what that allowed for was like economic freedom, uh, control of tariffs on uh, imports and exports. Um, And, uh, you know, those were so the same thing that happened with like the Easter Rising, where the Irish volunteers that were largely like backed by the Petit Bourgeois like withheld their forces. And then, you know, Connolly and the Irish citizen citizens armies became martyrs. Um, essentially, like, what they did was just do exactly what Connolly said. They just swapped out, like, the Union Jack for the green flag. And so the Irish bourgeois interests, they they got what they wanted, which was just economic control of Ireland. And they didn't really care about, like, having the whole island... Or like, you know, having all the resources distributed to all the people themselves, they just they got what they wanted, which was tariff control and control
1: the markets. Exactly. It sucks so bad. Yeah, it's a bummer. So what's notable and what's important for the film is that this split the movement. And this is This rolled right into the Irish Civil War, because basically there were two camps. There were basically people for the truce and people against the truce. Now, I could be wrong about this, but I think that by and large, a lot of these socialists were against the truce, being more, you know, Republican and wanting both to free all of Ireland and to enact a socialist republic.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, they also had the example of, at the time, you know, the Bolsheviks Mm -hmm. had just succeeded. And which, you know, also, like, brings me to, like, you know, the point that, like, Lenin and uh, Trotsky were fond of making that, like, civil war will always follow revolution. Like, that's Mm. an inevitable outcome of it and uh yeah i don't know i it, you know it's uh, the to, to the benefit of the of the bolsheviks they had like characters like lenin and Trotsky um to like kind of lead and like navigate like the post-revolutionary landscape um and really wish Connolly wouldn't have died <laughs> in 1916 yeah. uh to be able to like but then again, like, you know, um, Ireland is a totally different uh, set of material conditions than Russia was. So there wasn't like the intelligentsia to like sit there and like really like game this out. Like, you know, it, it was much more like a, a fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing of like, holy shit, we actually got it. We killed enough black and tans. You know? mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so basically there's this really interesting scene and in some ways it's the intellectual climax of the film if not the emotion, not the emotional one where basically everyone who's left of the flying column as well as Dan the conductor as well as like the the women you know like I think the judges and that we saw earlier in the uh, Republican court, basically everyone like is, st- you know, sitting around arguing about the truce and Teddy O'Donovan is the most pro truce of the group and Damien O'Donovan and Dan, the conductor and, and, You know, they are the figureheads of the uh, anti truce coalition, such as it is, and specific to this one, you know, town, basically, in County Cork. You know, obviously, there's, like, major, larger organizations in, like, Dublin and so forth, but, like, they're there basically arguing this. And there's a lot of speech-making because they're Irish, obviously. (laughs)
2: <laughs> a lot of stuttering a lot of stumbling over words but... yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: and so like you know they point out like okay we have momentum right now we are at this juncture where we could keep pushing and free the entire island and set up and some of them you know are being like and socialism so yeah. they're basically saying if we stop now we may never free Ireland, basically. You know, they they're like it's partition. And Dan the Conductor, the agitator, he says, you know, he basically paraphrases Connolly. He talks about how the original what was it the, the doll, right? The uh mm-hmm. the their declaration of independence basically talked about how Every man, woman, and child, and all the resources on in Ireland are for the people of Ireland. And what we're talking about is whether every child, every Irish child, will have a chance at prosperity and freedom. Or whether they'll just all continue to be poor and just die in poverty, basically. Or are we going to just change the color of the flag?
2: Mm-hmm. the scene after this is uh, Damien who is a doctor um, mm. going to the home of That's a true. mother with a child uh, dying of malnutrition and it's like and he sits there and he's like you, you gotta give him milk and she's like I don't have any <laughs> like, uh, so it's just the same thing happening again except now the Irish bourgeois are in control as opposed to the British, so
1: yeah, they go from the they go from the black and tans to the green and tans. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, right? Because I mean, I think you and I were very, you know, pro. Uh, the position of you know Damien O'Donovan and Dan the conductor, but yep. Teddy O'Donovan points out, like, are you kidding? Like if if they have to they will come in and murder everyone they will come in just as they have done like literally like a half dozen times in irish history and wage a like genocidal war yeah they've done it before they can do it
2: which is the though you know the question though that i would raise at that point in history is just that so we're talking about 1920 something, right? Yeah mm-hmm. um, the, the the level of or, uh, yeah, yeah the level of uh, influence that the diaspora population has, especially in America, where you know you have figures in America, Irish Americans who are like rising up like would they allow, like, a genocide to happen? Like, and I, and, and I guess that's something that, like, a character, like, a Teddy Donovan like, can't know, per se, but, like, at that point in history, like, given the influence that, like, you know, the Irish-American population had, like, within, like, Tammany Hall, you know, that's that's even earlier than we're talking about, but, like, um would that have been allowed to happen you know i don't know just an
1: interesting kind of thought maybe to have like no for sure like i i don't think they would have but teddy you know to give full voice to like his line of argument you know he points out like you think they're going to give up india like Or you know, you think they're going to signal to India that you can do this too if they give up Ireland? It was never going Mm -hmm. to play out any other way.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I
1: mean, right in some ways.
2: Absolutely, like yeah. I mean, that's the there. There's the Teddy O'Donovan like pragmatist side of things, Mm -hmm. and then there's the Damien O'Donovan like, you know, if only there was an Irish Lenin kind of thing where it's like. To reach for the stocks you know yeah
1: no for sure like i agree i don't think that they could have but like <sighs> i mean it's really interesting and you know there's not super like there's not time to go into it but like on the way out the british absolutely fucked the irish economy in oh, yeah. a bunch of different ways and they're like the irish ability to obtain like credit was just in the absolute gutter for like most of irish you know post-independence history so like they were Mm -hmm. intentionally under-industrialized and exploited and then they had no ability to like have credit like there's a reason why ireland sucks like it's because of all of the exploitation and then they got completely fucked on like international finance
2: Boston exists for a reason as much as we don't want to acknowledge it. (laughs) I love Boston. I just, I love to show them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, let's see here. So, you know, nothing's resolved really. And so basically this, you know, they roll right into the Irish civil war where basically pro and anti-truce forces start fighting. Uh, Interestingly, the Tom Barry character, or the real life figure of Tom Barry and the guerrilla days in Ireland, he was, uh, I'm certain he was on the Republican side. So he was anti-truce and he continued to fight throughout the, uh, uh, throughout the civil war, which is very interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like one of the more interesting things is, um, you know, the, uh, bombardment of the uh, four courts um, mm-hmm. that happened with the uh, anti-treaty Irish it was basically like a repeat of the Easter Rising except instead of British guns um, there were Irish ones instead um, like
1: stop but even less defensible
2: <laughs> yes yeah exactly
1: <laughs> yeah wink <laughs> yep uh, yeah history
2: doesn't repeat but it
1: rhymes <laughs> one thing i really like trash is that this film i mean true to history avoids the easy schmaltz of like just irish independence Ooh, what a feel-good story and it's like no it's not a feel-good story you feel yeah. really bad actually because they went right into a civil war
2: it's it's the most irish film <laughs> mm-hmm. it really hits at the the heart <laughs> yeah yeah, it's just like oh no, shit's just bad most of the time. If you <laughs> if you think something's gonna be good, don't. don't and, and that's a very Catholic sentiment, maybe
1: maybe. But. It's funny because you know I was raised Mormon, of course, so I have the all kinds of weird complexes that don't even have names yet. But like on the flip <laughs> yeah. side, one of my family Irish Catholic raised, so. You know, I under like I feel that connection, even if it's you know foreign to me. I'm like, oh yeah, that is kind of like my one side of my family.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that is interesting. I mean, yeah, it's I'm sure there's a lot of corollaries uh, between different forms of the uh, guilt and shame that like <laughs> you know d- develop into in the Mormonism, which you know. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I mm. I I you know, I I I don't uh, begrudge anyone like their religious belief. I'm just glad people believe in something. Um you mm. know, and uh being Catholic, uh I realize how problematic uh a lot of it can be. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: So, absolutely. So, I think the next scene right and for the listeners, we are almost done. Uh the- <laughs> The next scene is at Catholic mass
2: mm, yeah.
1: where one of the, uh, I guess the, one of the fathers gets up and basically just starts talking politics over the pulpit uh, in favor cool. of the treaty.
2: Yeah. My favorite thing. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh-huh.
1: And he emphasizes anti-treaty forces will be excommunicated. <laughs> <laughs> which is you know the uh, the threat of excommunication sounds very serious until you realize that like they're always doing this shit yeah there's actually this really good yeah there's this good passage right here in the uh guerrilla days in ireland where and in the early days of the war prior to this point so just the uh, you know they're fighting the British and so forth. <laughs> uh, he basically says that. Uh, come on, where to go? Yeah, well, anyway, I'll paraphrase. So he basically, he says that like the 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 clergy threatened excommunicate any IRA man found and you know whatever, and he was like. And the men just went to church anyway, and, you know, we all just got (laughs) along. It's fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's the most uh, Irish approach I can imagine. It's just like, oh, you've been excommunicated? Well, I'm still Catholic anyways.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell you that I'm in the IRA. You don't know. (laughs) I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to like it.
2: (laughs) Yep, no, it still sucks. I don't want to go. I'd rather (laughs) just sleep in. Yep.
1: But notably, in this instance, uh, Damien O'Donovan and Sinead and get they like get up and start arguing, and they walk out of the church. And he he gives a zinger right as he leaves, and he says, "And once again, without exception, the Catholic Church sides with the rich." Yep, and it's like yep, yep, pretty much. And then a bunch of people walk out of the church great stuff
2: (laughs) yeah which i mean we go into the whole complicated issue of like (laughs) uh you know uh yeah fuck the clergy but somehow those nuns manage to feed the poor every week and it's like uh uh, i you know i don't know it's weird divide but
1: exactly exactly Teddy O'Donovan runs out after his brother, and he's like, "I need you to help me. Like, we have to rebuild Ireland. There's so much work to do. Like, just work with me on this thing. You know, we can, we can push for full independence later. You know, things you tell yourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, to go along to. We need a
2: breathing period. A breathing period.
1: Which, like, I do get the logic of. It's you know, like that's the issue is that so many of these arguments." are valid <laughs> it's yeah. just you know what are you gonna do and so damien o'donovan looks his brother in the eye and he says this treaty makes you a servant of the british empire
2: mm-hmm.
1: which like is literally true they are now being in the you know their version you know they are basically now literally in the employ of the british empire teddy o'donovan that is and anyone who stayed on that side. And it's just like, yeah, that's the worst thing you can be. Like, there's no honor in that. Nope.
2: You're an employee of the crown now. Like, there's no walking away from that or like denying it. Like, yeah.
1: And to underscore how, you know, immoral that is, then the film, the intricacies of the cinema, right? For the third (laughs) time, the. For the third time, there's a raid against that same, uh, like, uh, that same farmhouse, where yeah. Sinead lives. We didn't mm-hmm. mention, but the second time it got raided, they burned down part of it. And this time, the people doing the raiding are the Free Staters, which is to say the pro-truce, pro-treaty forces, which is to yeah. say, full Irishmen this time.
2: Yeah, so this is Irish Catholics burning down another Irish Catholic's house.
1: That's right. As opposed to Black and tan's doing it. They do the same raids. They are somewhat less brutal, but still, like, you know, they, you, you start to see in the film, which I love, that you start to see them really, like the soldiers, really upset that they're having to do this, and then they start taking it out on the people that they're repressing. Like it's the same exact dynamic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the film shows it basically. And it's, you know, you get the uh, cyclical nature of it in some ways. And then correct me if I'm wrong trash, but then there's a, you know, there's a ratcheting up of tension between the pro and, you know, the two sides to the conflict so at first they're like trying to avoid killing each other you know holding each other at gun and taking guns and so forth
2: like there's a couple of flying columns that are like no we're going to keep doing training because like yeah. fuck this like we want full independence and they're like dude you got to give up your grounds you can't keep training out there in the and like yeah they're just kind of like they don't want to Fucking shoot each other because, like, these are guys who all know each other, you know? Yeah. Like, nope. Uh, all, they, they all fought for independence together. Yeah. Nobody
1: know? wants to, like, fight. No one wants to kill an Irishman for one thing. And then on the flip side, they all know each other. They all know who's doing this. And, like, you know, you kill one guy, then the other side will kill someone and then where does it end mm-hmm. and they know their family and stuff and they can take out you know
2: mm-hmm. like and it's yeah which is all just builds up to like the troubles and like just the insanity of that which is yeah what, what I feel like this whole like review of this film is like laying the groundwork for is that like the troubles are such a Complicated, like, uh, uh mm. how do you pronounce the word in, in, in interneising? Um,
1: yeah, inter like, yeah. like mm-hmm.
2: conflict. Like it's it, it, it's so tangled
1: that like, yeah, it's exactly. And it's a shame, you know, it's, yeah, it is a shame. <laughs> Programmed to chill. Hot take of the day: the troubles were a real shame.
2: A <laughs> real shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bloody travesty
1: <laughs> so um basically the film leads to you know this escalation leads to an actual shootout including an instance where ira you know a pro treaty free state irishman shoots a guy in the back you know one of the one of the ira guys like you know from mm-hmm. the same flying column and Damien O'Donovan witnesses it. He gets captured, but he's, like, very distraught and upset over it.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's crazy, too, because, like, they're, they're like, shooting at each other, and then when Dan, the conductor, gets shot, he's just like, you're shot fucking Dan! What mm-hmm. are you doing? Like, it's fucking Dan! Which, not to give a moment, <laughs> it's just like, you're shot Dan, dude! What yeah. are you doing? Like, it's like, fuck man like and like I, I you know i just think about if i was in this like situation myself of like i know we're mad at each other but you're shot dan fuck and, and then they proceed to execute him like you know brutally like they mm-hmm. keep shooting him and it's like a very like heartbreaking scene but like you know it's just like gaming. just like she's like what the fuck is going on like yeah
1: yeah, and it's like literal but also metaphorical because like what happens to the labor movement in Ireland but it got shot in the face a bunch of times because yeah, there's literally no like way that you know you can give more to the workers if everyone is like completely financially fucked. I mean, you can, and I'm not making excuses for the Irish bourgeoisie here, but like you know what I'm saying, like there's no room for this socialism stuff basically
2: no yeah i mean like they, they they would not allow like you know there's uh a point in the film that we didn't mention earlier where they're in the courtroom and uh one of the guys who actually if i believe correctly like winds up being like an anti-treaty irish guy uh in this part that we're talking about it's just like he's like god it's better than red flags waving like you know like Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a it's a difficult thing of like yeah, like the the, the peasantry are kind of scared when you say like you're gonna take away like God and stuff, like you know, and Mm -hmm. you're gonna introduce this like socialist program. Like I don't know, it's complicated issue. I think so many times. Like it's uh Yeah, I don't
1: know what to do about it, but. Yeah, and like with this particular, I don't know if, well, okay. I I made the observation in my notes. I was like, damn, this is a real animal farm situation. And it's like, (laughs) this is more animal farm than the, you know, Bolshevik Revolution, which Animal Farm was supposedly about, like, yeah, this yep. actually was what they were trying to get at. Oh yeah, which pff, fucking George Orwell probably <laughs> like. He just like he, he just flipped it over, but it's
2: like the same thing. Like you know, it's well, I mean, like I said earlier, it's like you know, Lenin like talks, like civil war will always follow revolution. Mm-hmm. Like that is just proven time and again to like be true and this illustrates it like really tragically you know um mm-hmm. it's it, it's kind of this like intractable position of like if you have this population that is ready for revolution but like you are you know especially to like you are in the heart of, like, Western Europe. You are right next to Great Britain. The greatest imperial nation, the first one. Marx and Engels wrote everything about, like, British industrial society. Like, this is what we're talking about. And there you are, like, a poor agrarian agrarian country. Like, how the fuck do you do it? Like, in any kind of way that, like, you know,
1: I don't know. It's... Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, absolutely, and it's just like <laughs> it's rough. Um, so but it's also
2: like it—it's it, interesting in the sense that, like, um, you know, it—it it, it is like the case of like the first colony. Mm. You know, like, um, and like a lot of these tactics were like tried out, and you know, it—it it, stands centuries though which is like the thing that gets kind of lost you know
1: know. no absolutely so basically the Damien O'Donovan character he's captured in this aborted raid to try to obtain weapons where they start killing each other and so he's captured and the orders come down like Damien O'Donovan either needs to inform or he will be executed. And Teddy O'Donovan is in charge of carrying this out. And he comes to Damien's cell and he, you know, basically is like, I've never begged anyone in my entire life, but I'm begging you like, please like tell me something so that we don't have to kill you. And Damien O'Donovan like looks his brother in the eyes and says like, I killed Chris Riley, I shot him in the heart. I'm not going to sell out. And, you know. And then. Well, I was going to read the the uh, letter to Sinead, but I don't know if you had anything. Before I read that part.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just the. Uh, you know, it's the. Tragic. Cycle that these conflicts like play out in, where you know, um, Damien was forced to, by like necessity, to like murder this boy who mm-hmm. was an illiterate farmhand, but he would compromise the unit, and then to be put in this position where like. Teddy O'Donovan's character, like, thinks it's like an exception. It's like, this is different than that was. And Damien is, who has gone through like a mock execution Mm -hmm. and is sitting there with the fact that he killed a poor, like, illiterate Irish Catholic farmhand who he used to play Hurley with. Like, he's sitting there with that, that weight. And he's like, how can you honestly ask me to like give it up when I've I crossed the line years ago? You know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the character of Teddy like already knows the answer, but he has to. You know, he's he's propping up this idea of this like possible future, but in the consequence of that like he's squandering like his entire family his own brother like he's about to execute like due to these like you know uh like bullshit like demands of like the you know that the imperial Corps is sending to like the, the free state if if that makes any sense like
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's just
2: like you, you, you sit there with the weight of it and it's just like, I crossed the line a long time ago. Like, I'm committed to this. I killed a kid for the cause. Like, how can you expect me to like do anything
1: other than die for this? Like, I've already died. You know? No, honestly. Like, literally only hunger probably gets heavier than this. You know? Yeah. and then, if that weren't enough right? then, Damien O'Donovan writes out a letter to Sinead and I'd like to read that passage Dear Sinead, I tried not to get into this war and did and now I try to get out and can't Strange creatures we are, even to ourselves I treasure every bit of you, body and soul, in these last few moments. You once said you wanted your children to taste freedom. I pray for that day too, Sinead. But I fear it will be longer than either of us have imagined. Dan once told me something I've struggled with all this time. He said, It's easy to know what you're against. Quite another to know what you are for. I think now, I know, and it gives me strength. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the film, you know, Damien O'Donovan is taken out to the courtyard, and Teddy O'Donovan, crying, gives the order, and he's executed. He's shot by a firing squad. Also, to make up for it, I guess, uh, Killian Murphy really sells it. You know, it is probably the best in terms of believability, one of the best deaths. like He really looks like a real corpse.
2: Yeah. You know, what's interesting as I was watching it for the second time last night um, is that when Damien is going to execute Chris Riley, um, one of the IRA guys comes up to him and says, you know, you don't have to do this. Like, I'll do it if you want to. And then another, like, one of the free sitters comes up to Teddy and says, you know, you don't have to do this, but then Teddy doesn't actually take the shot himself. He just motions for the firing squad. Yeah,
1: he gives the order.
2: Yeah, he doesn't actually pull the trigger, which Damien did, which, mm-hmm. you know, I asked myself, like, uh, if I was put in that position where I had to do something like that, like what Damien did, would I act any other way? And I really hope I wouldn't, you know, Um, I hope I would stick by God forbid I would ever actually put anything like that, but you know, like this, this is a very like good film and just the, the, you know, I mean, it does remind me like Dostoevsky and stuff, and just like the intractable, like, moral positions it puts you in.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good way to phrase it, like yeah, it's just very different from a lot of the fare that we typically get in films and much more true to life, I think, in how bad everything is, and how limited people are in their options and uh, agency. But nevertheless, like the agency you do have becomes extremely crucial. In fact, yeah. Yeah. Like how you conduct yourselves
2: in these extreme moments, which, you know, like um, us here, like in the Western world, like we don't really have to deal with that often, but, you know, Ireland is like, a special exception of the 20th century where they did you know so mm-hmm.
1: and I mean I don't exactly think that uh, something like this is right around the corner for uh, America but in our lifetimes I do think things are going to get bad I'm, I don't think yeah. it will look like this but uh, I do think other types of very rough choices you know will happen to either us or our kids and uh you know one thing that i walk away with you know in this seeing this movie is you know an appreciation that i don't have to live through any of this because it is not romantic at all no it's
2: horrible and it's it's brutal and uh you know we live in comfort Now, but Mm -hmm. like you said, uh, mm, (laughs) things are looking a little tedious at the moment. Yeah. Who fucking knows, man? You could be presented with these (laughs) propositions.
1: (laughs) Enough of this weepy Irish bullshit. (laughs) 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 Um, Bless you. I know it's late. I did have one or two good quotes that didn't really fit anywhere from guerrilla days in Ireland. I could just yeah, run yeah. through them real quick. All right. So early on the Tom Barry guy, he says all history has proved that England in her dealings with Ireland has never allowed morality to govern her conduct. That's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Good zinger. <laughs> um, let's see here. And then, I only read about half the book. I'm going to finish it, but... Do, 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 do. And then, there was just an interesting interesting thing where the Black and Tans started burning down IRA houses, but there were a lot more British houses to burn down. <laughs> and so, <laughs> basically, there was a, during the war, there was like a truce because they were like, just burning down all the freaking British lords' houses, and it was like really freaking them out. So, just interesting <laughs> stuff. All kinds of stuff about spies, but you know, perhaps for because the Irish
2: are too damn homeless. God damn it! <laughs> Can we build a house for the Irish and then burn it down, please?
1: Exactly. You can't really uh play uh. It's kind of like a uh, you start a fight with someone with nothing to lose, and it's like, uh, maybe you should. Yeah, 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 maybe. You know?
2: Well, uh, uh, yeah. Maybe the uh, Hibernian uh, film series could do a little lighter fare. Mm-hmm. Like the commitments next time or something like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And yeah. I think that uh, future ones will not have because we will not have to go through eight hundred years of British oppression <laughs> I think yeah, right? that uh you know might be a bit quicker and so forth, but
2: uh yeah, I know. Uh, oh. Probably be down to do like uh I mean Hunger. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of my favorite mm-hmm. films all time.
1: Fucking that, Elephant. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yeah possibility so
2: yeah i'd be very down man <laughs> oh yeah
1: and uh you know that might also be necessary because i was using a audiobook of the tunnels but it got taken off of youtube so mm. either i'm going to either it's going to take me a lot longer to do the tunnel or you know i am committed but it just might take a lot longer than it was cuz i got about like a uh, maybe a fourth of the way through yeah but i was like, oh fuck
2: i was about a little over a third of the way through though i mean i don't know though as as i was rereading it i'm like i don't know like um
1: i don't know how i would talk about it, it you know
2: yeah exactly like it's a it's a lot more stream of conscious than i remember it being yeah um so i'm I was kind of, like, as I was reading, I'm like, oh, fuck, well, how are we going to talk about this?
1: It was um, good. I just, like, you know, it was almost like trying to, like, pick up sand, and I was just like, I don't know what I would say with it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a lot less uh, solid than, like, the kindly ones or something. So, you know, I don't know. Like, if, if you still want to do it, like, uh, I'd be down for that, but, like, uh, I also wouldn't be opposed if you if you didn't want you know I wouldn't be offended if you didn't yeah, do not want to like move on to something like a little bit more
1: uh, <laughs>
2: less stream of conscious like a little more concrete.
1: Yeah, kind of you I know think what I, mean? I will finish the novel. It might take a while, and oh, I sure. think we could we could do another you know film or whatever. I think that would be really fun. So
2: oh yeah 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 absolutely.
1: Now I wanted to thank you first of all for taking the time. I legitimately didn't think it would go this long, so I do apologize <laughs> to you for that,
2: dude. Uh, I mean, I, I I was taking notes for it, like as we're I'm like we're gonna be fucking talking for hours. <laughs> I know when Which I wrote like I, the I history, fucking love this.
1: Yeah, it, when I read out yeah. all the history, I was like, oh shit, this might go a little bit longer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey man, no no worries. I I I, I enjoyed talking to with you a lot,
1: mm-hmm. so not a big deal. Yeah. Now for the listeners, you know, we talked about this, right? You have several pieces in Apocalypse Confidential, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I got a couple pieces. Uh I'm mainly just a bicycle renter. So mm-hmm. I haven't been writing too much lately. Been, you know, whatever. So just that's vibing. pretty much it. Just vibing. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Yeah, man. Of course, thank you so much for, for talking with me. I sat
3: within a valley green I sat me with my true love My sad heart It was torn between The old love and The new love The old far heart the new that made me think on Ireland me, While soft the wind blew down the glen And it showed the golden barley T'was hard for me those words to frame To break the ties that bound us And harder still to bear the shame Of foreign chains around us And so I said the mountain blend I shall seek it morning early, To join the brave united, united men, men Where soft wind shakes the barley I kissed away my true love's tears my fond arms round her flinging When a foeman's shot, shot burst, burst on our ears From the out the wild woods ringing The bullet, bullet pierced my true love's sight in, in life's young so away There she died upon my breast, while soft winds shone the barley, and blood for blood went without remorse. I've gained the Dorlands hollow. And let my true love's grey cold corpse, where I fall, soon must follow. And o'er her grave I wander, dear, no night and morning early, with a brave. In the heart, when there I hear the wind that shakes the barley.